38, verse number 6, and also to Acts 27, verse number 13. Parents, let me remind you that we do have a meeting after service for NAYC, and we need every parent and child to be present. So please remember that. Amen. Verse number 6, Jeremiah 38. Then took they Jeremiah, cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamelech that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now when Abedmelech the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Abedmelech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abedmelech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So Abedmelech took the men with him, and went into the house of the king under the treasury, and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags, someone say rotten rags, and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Abedmelech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Acts 27, very quickly, verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. Verse 41, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. The soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. I want to preach tonight for a little while on the subject, the beauty of rotten rags and broken boards. The beauty of rotten rags and broken boards. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the wind of the Spirit that we have already felt in this place. I pray, dear Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. I would ask even now, God, that you would open up our understanding and let the Word fall on good soil. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do, and we offer unto you this day a hand clap of praise unto the God of our salvation. We worship you, Jesus, and we praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated this evening. In the life of a believer, 
prayers vary from person to person. Prayers range from those of a family covering to that of a financial blessing. There are prayers of repentance, prayers of salvation, prayers of deliverance, etc., etc. Perhaps, though, there is a prayer that is shared amongst God's people. I believe that uh, woven in the fabric of every person in this building, there is one common thread, one prayer I believe that we have all prayed, and that is to walk in the will of God. It should be part of your prayer if you have a heartbeat that wants to be pleasing to God. The will of God has left many people puzzled at times, maybe because their perception of the will of God clashed with the reality of the will of God. When we think of the will of God, we think of the parting of the Red Sea, Goliath falling, three Hebrew boys delivered. A picture is painted in our minds, although a false one at times, because the will of God is not always a tiptoe through the tulips. It's not always absent from pain and struggle. And because of this misconception, people feel rejected when the will of God leads them into precarious situations. At times, the will of God would necessitate obstacles, roadblocks, storms, or even dungeons giving us a glimpse tonight into this truth are two pillars of both the Old and the New Testament. Jeremiah the weeping prophet and Paul the apostle that gave us most of the New Testament. I believe we would agree this evening that they are great men of God, often quoted and repeatedly discussed. Their lives have framed sermons, encouraged saints, rescued sinners, and convicted preachers. Their lives are not all glamorous. They're not all storybook endings, but they're far from make-believe. And sometimes because we're so far removed from this time period that this book was written, we approach these people and this book through the lens of fiction. But my friend, it's a far cry from fiction. Beyond, it's beyond the realm of pretend. Jeremiah and Paul were not characters concocted through the minds of some author while sipping coffee. But these were real people with real problems. But they served a very real God. They're not heralded for their charismatic personalities their dynamic preaching, or their keen sense of fashion. But when we talk about Jeremiah and Paul, we talk about faith. We talk about dedication. We talk about persecution and even power. Men who walked and navigated difficulties while in God's will. They're noteworthy because through misfortune, through persecution, 
through betrayal, through conflict, through emotional emotional turmoil. They came out of it with their faith intact, standing as a testimony of the power of God in the life of a believer. And their words are backed with experience. They're not quoting something they read. They are echoing something they live. They know what it's like to be bound, beaten, and betrayed. Yet they also know what it's like to be delivered, healed, and restored. In short, Jeremiah and Paul, if they were alive today, could tell us what it's like to be, that scared me. I don't get rattled easy. That one got me. Don't act like I was the only one. I'm just the only one everybody's looking at. If they were alive today, they could tell us what it's like to be in the will of God, yet feel like you're so far from it. A small glimpse given to us through God's word could confirm this thought. Although they stood as the mouthpiece of God many times, it was their life behind the scenes that solidified them as true men of God. It's those moments that God often proves himself. Jeremiah was the mouthpiece of God in the midst of a land of wickedness. And as is often the case when one speaks what God tells them to speak, It doesn't always sit well with people. People get angry. Thus it was in our text in verse 6. Bible says they cast him into a dungeon. No water. Sinking in the mire. A place of despair. All he could do was sink deeper. Jeremiah is there. He spoke what God told him to speak. He did what God told him to do. He was a man of God wanting to walk in the will of God. But in the will of God, he found himself in a place where he couldn't get his footing. Every time he pulled one foot out of the mire, he sunk in the other. Have you ever been in a season of life where you never could get your footing? It felt like just when things were starting to level out, here comes something else. And just when you thought you were doing good over here, you, 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 could, you just couldn't get your footing. There was no water. There was no nourishment. And it felt like you were on sinking sand. God, I've done everything you wanted me to do. I preached, I prayed, I gave, I fasted here. I can hear Jeremiah saying all this, and now he's in a dungeon. In the will of God, in a dungeon. Here's Paul the apostle with a similar experience, one that mirrors Jeremiah's in some ways. Paul sailing to Italy in a ship trying to do the will of God. Yet there arises a storm called Eurachlodon. Now Paul's physical circumstances are challenging his spiritual condition. God, I'm trying to do your will, yet everything in my life is being shaken. God, I wasn't prepared for this. 
I've been all over preaching and now here I am in the middle of a ship. How did I end up in this situation, God? And now my ship is breaking to pieces. God, I thought it was bad last week and now it's getting worse every single day. I want to preach to somebody tonight when you thought it was bad and now it got worse. God, haven't I endured enough? God, haven't I gone through enough? God, when will you step in my situation? I'm talking about being in the will of God in a dungeon and in a storm. Hear me tonight. Don't mistake the presence of the storm as the absence of God in your life. Because just as much as Jeremiah was in the dungeon, God was there. When Paul was in the middle of a storm, God was there. Wherever you're at, you've got to understand God was there before you got there. Watch this, watch this. When Noah, he instructed Noah to build the ark, and Noah finally got the ark built, this is what the Lord said. Come now. Come now. If God wasn't in the ark, he'd have said, go now. But because God was there before Noah got there, he said, come now. You know what that tells me? That God was in your deliverance before you got to your storm. That God was in your way out before you knew the way in. So it doesn't matter how bad it gets. You got to take comfort in the fact that he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. There's three dimensions to life that everybody's going to be in. You're fixing to go into a storm. You're in a storm. You're coming out of a storm. There are only three dimensions to life. That's it. And if you're not in it, then just get ready because you'll go in it. If you're coming out, rejoice that God brought you out. Why do you think boxers fighting rounds? Because there has to be spaces between the battles. There has to be moments of reprieve where you can catch your breath and you can build your faith. And you know what? When they put them in the corner, they're not sitting there all by themselves. They got a team around them taking care of them. Hyping them up. You can do this. You got this. And when life, those moments in between, is when God's telling you, you got this. You can make it through this. Let me heal some wounds. Let me take care of some scars because I believe in you. You know, you can't predict storms. Storms are like chipmunks. tell you a little story. A couple years ago, we went to Silver Dollar City because you got to go through Branson to get to heaven. I like Silver Dollar City. I'm usually some of the youngest people are Branson. I'm usually one of the younger, younger people there. That's all right. I'm an old soul. Well, we went to Silver Dollar City one day. And I've learned they got this side of the park where it's like you walk down this mountain and you're down there and it's easy going down. 
but you got to come back up. So now I got this policy. We go downhill one time. We do everything we want to do, and we walk up one time. Ain't none of this back and forth business. And we walked down there one time, and my crew needed to go to the bathroom. So there was a there was a bathroom about about from me to that drum cage, and there was a bench, and behind the bench was one of those brick wall things full of landscaping. And Ava was sitting next to me. And I turned around, and there was a, a squirrel. I said, oh, Ava, look at the squirrel. And the squirrel was just playing there in the, by the tree. Well, I looked back to check to see if they were coming out yet. And when I looked, it'd probably be like this. I was, I was about even with it. There was a chipmunk on the ground by the wall. I never seen a chipmunk. And I said, oh, Ava, look at that little chipmunk. And what I'm fixing to tell you happened in like two seconds, but I'm going to slow it down so you can understand. I looked at the chipmunk, and the chipmunk looked at me. And this chipmunk took off running straight at me. I was on the side of the bench sitting like this. And this, you know they, the old baseball, they'd say, keep your eye on the ball, and the ball will get bigger, bigger, bigger. Well, this chipmunk's face started getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And it got almost to me, and it jumped and landed right here in my chest. And then it jumped off. I would have lost my main card. I started screaming like a girl. <laughs> it happened so fast. And I people everywhere. Well, then I got embarrassed. And I wanted to start, I wanted to let people know I wasn't crazy. So I started going, chipmunk, chipmunk. Like there was a demonic chipmunk running around. It happened so fast. You know, storms are like chipmunks, brother Spanky. They will catch you out of nowhere. I was not prepared for it. I never even thought it could happen like that, but it happened. And I'm glad nobody was there that I knew. Like Brother Josh, he'd still be texting me today about a face of a chipmunk. Storms catch us out of nowhere. You don't have to ask for storms. When you're born, you're qualified. You'll get storms. But you got to remember this. Jesus may have went to sleep on a boat, but the Bible says he that keepeth Israel neither sleepeth nor slumbers. They thought just because Jesus was asleep in the middle of my storm that God was asleep in the middle of my storm. No, Jesus the man may have been sleeping, but God never goes to sleep. God sees your tomorrow. He sees your next week. You got to believe with me that God knows where I'm at. It's when we begin to think that God abandons us that fear begins to breed in our mind. Fear breeds helplessness. Helplessness breeds hopelessness. Jeremiah and Paul, they were humans. They weren't perfect. They were humans. Lamentations 3, 55 through 57 says this. This is Jeremiah. 
I called upon thy name, O Lord. Where did you call upon the name of the Lord, Jeremiah? Out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidst, fear not. Here he was in the middle of that dungeon at the lowest point of his life. And he cried unto the Lord. And God spoke to him and said, fear not. Let's go look at what happened with Paul in Acts 27, 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul. My friend, you hear me tonight. If he told Jeremiah, fear not, and he told Paul, fear not, I'm pretty sure if we could hear the word of the Lord tonight in the midst of our storm, it'd be the same two words, fear not. Everything's going to be all right. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. If you believe it, clap your hands unto the Lord. God never promised to be with the ship. He promised to be with you. God's loyalty in Paul's storm was not to the ship, but God's loyalty was with Paul. In other words, Paul thought he was going to make it through the storm one way, on a ship. But God never promised Paul that he'd be with the ship. He just said he would be with him. And if we're not careful, we'll think that God is obligated to do it how we think it should be done. God never obligated himself to do it how you think it should be done. He never said, I'll be with your methods. He just said, I'll be with you. And when we pray for God's will, we have to accept God's ways. You can't pray for God's will and get mad at his ways. You have to have a spiritual maturity about you to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I accept it. Could you imagine if you were in the middle of a storm in a ship trying to do the will of God, and the storm was so bad it broke the ship to pieces. I just have a I just got a feeling I'd have some misunderstandings. Lord, that angel spoke to me and told me everything was going to be all right. He did, Paul. But I never promised you that I'd take care of the ship. But you know what? All of them made it to the shore. God kept his word but he did it his way. Storms, when you're in the middle of a storm, you can't get so fixed on it has to work out like this. Because you know what? Most of the time, it's not going to work out like that. You have to be willing enough to say, you know what, God, I accept. And see, our frustration grows out of a lack of understanding of his ways. But Scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I, I've, I've never met a person yet that could say they understand the ways of God. Nobody can. 
Nobody can understand God's ways. But I have met people that said, you know what? Even though I didn't understand, I still held on. Even though I couldn't figure out what God was doing, I still trusted him in the midst of my situation. You have to have an awareness about you to say, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. See, when God does it his way, sometimes the only option you have is to hold on. Abedmelech came to Jeremiah with old cords and rotten rags, useless rags, discarded rags because they were of no value. You really want to get into it, you start studying out in Scripture what a rotten rag was, and you'll find out that this was not something that Jeremiah would have signed up for. And here he is in the middle of a dungeon and rotten rags being lowered down to him. Maybe this is just me. Let me use my imagination. Maybe Jeremiah said, rotten rags? That's all you've got? You don't have no pretty shiny winch, nice cable, some rope? Rotten rags. Jeremiah, if you want God's will, you have to accept God's way. I don't know about you, but I've been there before when God was trying to do something in a totally different way than I thought it should be done. When God was trying to work out something, I'm sitting here going, God, I don't understand. But Jeremiah, if you want to get out of this dungeon... You better put those rotten rags under your arms because the only way you're going to get out is you're going to have to do it the way God wants it to be done. Hold on, Jeremiah. If you want out of this, you accept this as the will of God and you hold on. I probably shared it with you before. We were first starting RV and we were preaching in on Alaska, Texas. I'm sorry. We were preaching in Livingston, Texas, parked in on Alaska, Texas. And, and I let my awning out that night. And a storm like this come up. And I heard the most God-awful sound banging on that door. And when I looked up out, I saw that awning sitting straight up. And I hollered at my wife to come out there with me. Because sometimes you got to have your wife out there and at midnight. And that cord was just a dangling. And I thought, how in the world am I going to get this? So I pulled a picnic table up. My wife had the cord in one hand and a baby in the other hand. And I was in my pajamas on top of that picnic table. And before I even messed with that, I looked out to Lake Livingston, threw my hands in there, and I said, peace, be still. And my wife said, would you shut up? It's midnight and people are trying to sleep. I was serious as a heart attack. You know what? In spite of all my effort and all of my faith, the storm didn't stop. And when the storm didn't stop, the only option I had at that time was to grab a hold of that cord and to hold on. And my friend, when the storm don't stop in your life, if you can grab a hold of this word from God and say, God, I don't know when it's going to stop, but I got something I'm going to hold on to. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to hold on to this word. When I go to bed at night, I'm going to hold on to that word. Because just as sure as it started, I know you're going to
to see me through it. Stand with me all over this building right now. The beauty of rotten rags and broken boards is only revealed after you made it through the trial. I'm sure once Jeremiah came up out of that pit, he never looked at a rotten rag the same way. It was beautiful because it was how God chose to bring him out. I'm sure when, when Paul saw a broken board, he thought of that piece of board differently from that day on because it was how God brought him out. When God does it his way, God gets the glory for doing it. I remember when we had our RV, if you want testimonies, get you buy you an RV, then you'll have something to pray about. And I had parked in Mississippi, and I got out, and there was a big old crack on that side of that thing. And I didn't know nothing about it. Everybody told me I broke the frame of that RV. And so I went and had to drop it off in, 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 in Lake Charles on my way to Houston. Now, we didn't have a place to live. That was our house. We were living in that RV. And so we were having to live with my mother-in-law. And they told me a couple days later, they said it would be $7,600 to fix your RV. I said, my goodness, I don't have $7,600. I said, well, file on the insurance. That'd be fine. We'll make a claim. Fast forward about a week later, the insurance called me and said, Mr. Stevenson, we're not going to pay for that. That's just normal wear and tear of an RV. I said, all right. I was ticked. I was hot. I was having to live with my mother-in-law. Not that that was a bad thing, but I was having to live with my mother-in-law. And I had everybody telling me, you need to sue them. If I had money for a lawyer, I'd fix the RV. You didn't write him a letter. So sure enough, I went on a letter writing campaign. I, I emailed, if there was a who's who with that insurance, I emailed them. They got a letter from me. You know how when it's not their storm, everybody's got the answer for it? You got to beware of some of those people. They're not the ones in the storm. You are. So five weeks, I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any money. When you don't have options, you'll see a miracle. As long as you can do it, you're not going to get a miracle. God works best and impossibilities. And as long as you keep doing it this way, doing it this way, doing it this way, God's just going to sit back and say, I'm going to wait until you don't have any more options left. Then I'll step in. So when I didn't have any more options, I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. Within five weeks, over $5,000 came handed to me, unsolicited. They called me at the end of five weeks. They said, Mr. Stevenson, we were wrong. It wasn't nearly like what we thought it was, and it only cost $1,700 to fix your RV.
and I had over 3,000 left. When all of it was said and done, I was praying one day. I said, Lord, why in the world? This was a five-week trial, and for some people, that ain't a big deal. For, for me, it was a big deal. I said, why in the world did it happen like this? Why couldn't you just let the insurance take care of it, and we were done? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, if, if the insurance would have covered it, I would have got no glory from the miracle. And as long as you keep trying to do it yourself, God gets no glory. But when you step back and say, God, if you decide to use a rotten rag or if you want to use a broken board, however you want to do it, I'll accept it as the will of God. I'll accept it as the If you pray for God's will, you have to be willing to accept God's ways. There's people that have prayed for the will of God and things went horrible in their life. And all of this started stuff happened, and they're sitting there going, hold up, God, what's going on? Because we think that the will of God has to always keep us happy. You're not going to find that in that Bible. The will of God is not about keeping me happy. I believe the will of God is about keeping me saved. And if I can be sad at times, and be saved, I'll take that over always being happy and being lost. The beauty of rotten rags and broken boards. Could we lift our hands to heaven all over this building tonight? There's people in here that maybe you find yourself in a situation that you don't have an answer for. Could it be that God is trying to do something greater in your life? than what you can comprehend. Could it be that God's trying to maneuver you into a realm of trust that you have yet to step into? And he does not do it by things that go right, but oftentimes he does it by things that we think is wrong. We're fixing to come to this altar tonight, and when we come to this altar... We're not going to come begging. We're not going to come pleading. But when we come to this altar, we're going to stand with our hands raised. And we're going to surrender everything to the Lord. I'm inviting our church family this evening to this altar. We're going to have a time today where we renew our trust. And 